0: Welcome to Your Own Words, a podcast that celebrates the love of reading with real people and real books, both critically acclaimed and slated. Listeners are encouraged to read along and join the journey through the libraries of friends newly discovered. This podcast may contain spoilers, feminist rants, curse words and mispronunciations of names, cities and more.
1: Episode four. This is episode four. How many fingers? Four fingers. Episode four. I can't believe we've made it this far. (laughs) (laughs) And Currently, as we record this, there's only one one (laughs) episode that's actually live, so this could all crash and burn, and this episode will never air. But I doubt it, because it's going to be a very good episode. I
0: really like this book, so it'd be really upsetting if we didn't get to talk about it.
1: Agreed. I'm going to release it, no matter if anyone wants to hear it or not. We'll hear it. Yeah. Exactly. I'm
0: hearing it right now.
1: Uh, how's, how's your life going?
0: What's new? So I'm a bit grumpy today. Oh. But other than that, Any I'm particular right. reason? I think because I haven't read for a couple of days, so I've had to mm. sit in my own thoughts and feelings rather than playing hide and seek well, in someone else's. Number one mistake. Um, I know. And also, I listened to a lot of Kate Bush, and now I feel like my ability to be <laughs> literally interesting about anything is just completely flawed. Oh. Because um, she kind of nailed that, really. Okay.
1: Have you read her book yet?
0: Or is, is it just her lyrics?
1: I it's just it's her lyrics. lyrics are published. Yeah. I keep picking it up because it's a beautiful hardback <laughs> in the shop and then putting it down again because I'm like, oh, it's not an autobiography or anything like that. Is that a mistake, do you think? I should probably buy it.
0: I, I mean, I don't. I haven't read it.
1: I'm, I, I, like I know our guest really know. wants to jump in here and, <laughs> and intervene because she knows I buy too many books, but I told her to be quiet for the <laughs> intro. So <laughs> I want to talk about it. Uh, she's giving me the, I'm not looking at her. Um, what are you, so are you reading anything now or what's the last thing you read? Uh, the last thing I read was what we're doing today. Oh, is that what we're doing today? Um, yeah. I, for the first time, I'm, not, I'm currently reading something that we are not reading for the podcast, um, which I yeah. haven't done since we started the podcast. I'm very excited because you
0: tend to like read. I will dip. In, i have been half reading Amanda Palmer on oh, and off. Yeah, of course. As a bit, it, it's it's making me feel like useless. Oh, because it's <laughs> about because be, making music. Because it's about yeah, and also yeah. asking for help and, and like trusting yourself and like just going for it. And I do none of those things all of the time. So I feel like oh Amanda Palmer, I can't, I can't I ask do for it. help. That's why you're here. That's true. Yeah, I'm good at answering. Yeah. Maybe that should be you, my You thing. show up. <laughs> right. I will do the answer for I <laughs> from someone. So I uh,
1: ask, yeah. hey, Beck, I need someone to start a podcast with. You want to read some books with me? Yes. Here she is. Yeah. Okay. There.
0: Well, I will be the flip side of Amanda cool. Carter's I don't book. know what
1: book to offer you I, to read for that side am, of the coin. I am the
0: answer. <laughs> 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 someone else say what they need and I'll just respond
1: with yes or no. Yeah. I'm reading a musical biography, autobiography at the moment as well, which I have no idea about. And I'm really afraid, uh, but it's Patti
0: Smith's "Just Kids." Is it one didn't it just win the best? memoir ever written
1: award or something i think if like that's that. an award it probably has yeah. it's one of those books as we talk about all the time i haven't read any books um <laughs> that everyone else in the world has read but i was very pleased to see but you I haven't read, read this, this, book, this but i
0: have it but i, I can't read it because because it's, it's a hardback it's
1: a plinth book and we will um, trade so copies yeah. very swiftly. and then i will read it i'm like 10 pages and i've got nothing more to say about it i just wanted to name drop that i'm reading a <laughs> patty smith book caitlin you're welcome and finally reading it that aside, um, do you have anything else off the top you want to get off your chest, or should we dive into
0: this? I don't think so. No, a, I have nothing heavy hearted on me at the moment. Well, I'm glad. That's which nice. is probably a fantastic bonus. news. <laughs> like everything is is not totally awful. Great. Which um, is almost kind of like being okay. <laughs> I'm really happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Those antidepressants are really working. I'm not making any. I'm oh, just books.
1: <laughs> I mean, mine are working a treat. So, yeah. Do you want to tell the listener?
0: <laughs> Hopefully.
1: <laughs> I mean, my mom's one, listening now. one person. She's really pleased. She's Hi, very listener. proud. Hi, mom. <laughs> no, I know there's like at least three. Maybe four. Both of my cats have listened to it. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, um, that said, do you want to <laughs>
0: tell the listeners, uh, plural? About the author, about author today. of today's book. Um, we have another author whose name we cannot pronounce, which is great. We're going to really annoy the Spanish this time. We've upset everyone in the Middle East. We're so. <laughs> <laughs> so coming to Europe. We're coming for Europe. <laughs> um, so, uh, Carlo Ruiz Zafon, I believe, is how you say his name.
1: Nailed
0: it. I apologize to all Spanish speakers if I got that wrong. Um, He was born in Barcelona in 1964 and began working in advertising in Spain. In the 1990s, he moved to Los Angeles, where he worked briefly in screenwriting. He is Catalan by birth and also fluent in English, and he writes and publishes his novels in Spanish. I read something which said that the Spanish language lends itself to the poetic nature of his style of writing, which is why Mm. he writes it in Spanish, and then they are translated to the English, which will then let it down. (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was quite well. I, I thought it was incredibly funny. Um So his first novel, The Prince of Mist, was released in 1993 and it won a literary prize, which I also can't pronounce, Um <laughs> Bay, I think, for young adult fiction. He wrote three further books for young adults during the 90s, with the first of which, The Prince of Mist, being released in English for the first time in 2010. The Shadow of the Wind was Zafon's first adult fiction novel, published in 2001. Since it's released, it has sold millions of copies around the world, over a million in the UK alone, and has won multiple international awards. His second novel, released in 2008, was The Angel's Game, a prequel to Shadow of the Wind, set in 1920s Barcelona. The third in the series, The Prisoner of Heaven, was released in 2011 and returned to Daniel's story, who's our main character in Shadow of the Wind. um, That's the book we're doing. Which is the book we're doing. Um, and The Labyrinth of Spirits is the fourth and final book in the Cemetery of Forgotten Books series, which was released in 2016 and the English translation in 2018. I did not realise when I started this that it was a whole catalogue of books. Series,
1: yeah. Um, I did vaguely know that it was, and I <clears throat> fully read it with the intention of never... I don't like series. I don't yeah, I have commitment issues. Yeah, I'm not a issues. big fan, yeah. It's not because I don't think they're good. It's because I have severe commitment issues and so I was like no chance in hell like this has been recommended to me I didn't even hear of it before I have no idea never gonna read the rest and now I'm like well, yeah. I, no, I now I know Daniel I have to know I he didn't al- realize that you just surprised me I didn't know there was a
0: prequel yeah he also really likes um, tall figures in low lights so there's a lot of <laughs> 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 like Prince in the Mist <laughs> Shadow of the Wind mm. Prisoner of Heaven Angels Get they have all sort of Large figures in low lighting, Very which authentic. I don't know if that's a, you know, theme running through. So, um, he's been published in 45 countries and translated into 40 different languages, which makes him the most widely published contemporary Spanish writer. Well, well, well. So
1: as you mentioned, the, the book that we are covering today is
0: called The Shadow
1: of the Wind. Um, and I'll tell you a bit about the book now before we introduce our guest. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. The Shadow of the Wind is a stunning literary thriller in which discovery of a forgotten book leads to a hunt for an elusive author who may or may not still be alive. Hidden in the heart of the old city of Barcelona is the Cemetery of Lost Books, a labyrinthine library of obscure and forgotten titles that have long gone out of print. To this library a man brings his ten-year-old son Daniel one cold morning in 1945. Daniel is allowed to choose one book from the shelves and pulls out The Shadow of the Wind by Julian Carracks. But as he grows up, several people seem inordinately interested in his find. Then, one night, as he's wandering the old streets once more, Daniel is approached by a figure who reminds him of a character from the book, a character who turns out to be the devil. This man is tracking down every last copy of Carracks' work in order to burn them. What begins as a case of literary curiosity turns into a race to find out the truth behind the life and death of Julian Carrick's and to save those he left behind. Ellipses. Dot, dot, dot. Dun, dun, dun. dun, 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 dun. And I will just, because I think it's such a great quote that you found, but I stole because this is my portion today. Uh, I found an awesome... Uh, I found? Beck found an Thank awesome you. quote uh, from the beloved Stephen King, um, who says about this book, If you thought the true Gothic novel died with the 19th century, this will change your mind. Shadow is the real deal, a novel full of cheesy splendor and creaking trapdoors. a novel where even the subplots have subplots. There's a haunted house, ah, but by what? Called the Angel of the Mist. And the only horror greater than the thing rotting in its bricked-up crypt is, but of course, senor, the horror of doomed love i mean stephen king says it best we probably don't even need to go on with the podcast that was
0: great guys uh Thanks.
1: guest you can go go on home <laughs> thank you for being here um back do you want to introduce our fantastically wonderful and patient yeah. guest
0: today uh so we have india with us today and sent us a lovely little bio it was very sweet gave me a moment um India is a country girl from North Yorkshire who moved to London in 2017 with the dream of being a book editor. Her love of literature was born reading J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series and grew amongst the works of Ken Follett, David Benioff and Stephen Galloway. India has always been drawn to epic tales of misfortune, bravery and hope, which led her to study a combined degree in English literature and ancient history at Newcastle University. Although she has ended up pursuing a more tech-focused career in cybersecurity, India's love of literature and art still plays a role in her everyday life. When she isn't working, she is an aspiring photographer and writer whose lifelong dream is to write and illustrate a book that makes its way onto the New York Times bestseller list.
1: Nice. India, welcome. Hey, guys. <laughs> thanks
0: for having me. Thank you for your book. Yes, thank you for... Actually, no. What the hell, India? <laughs> oh, that too. Yeah, I was going to thank you first and then be mean, but you just... Well, straight. you didn't give Sonia a break last, last podcast. What is the saddest book in the
1: world. This one, I just sent both of you. So I finished this book last night. And I sent both of you several pictures of me crying.
2: I'm um, crying and giving me the finger. Well, that, that the one <laughs> I only sent to you
1: because you. <laughs> I didn't this deserve upon us. the finger. Well, you didn't. You didn't make me read this book,
2: did no. you?
0: Um, I also cried. Yeah, that had that effect on
2: people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but
0: like at really odd bits—not a bits, not at bits that I would have thought were particularly sad, but just bits that stirred me in some way, and and suddenly mm-hmm. there were tears in my eyes that I was not expecting, which
2: then pissed me off. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. so Those bits where you start crying and then you're looking at the book and you're like, "What the hell?
0: Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why am I having emotions now? I just went past the emotional bit. That didn't touch me. Am I dead inside. No. Apparently, I'll cry at anything. <laughs>
1: yeah. No. I'm. I mean,
0: it, thank it you for book. being here. Yeah. Thank you
1: for mm-hmm. your book. Um. Thanks for making me cry again. Uh, I will. I will just say now, if anyone, I mean, we were discussing this before we started recording that we're not sure if there's such thing as a really good happy book. There isn't. India says no. Yeah, I really
2: we, don't think there we is. We can't think of any.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, tweet at us or Instagram us or please, something. Please, let us know. Tell that us. a happy book
0: out there. We need a break. Otherwise,
1: we've just embarked on this like journey of crying all the time and then talking about it. Um,
0: and I mean, this was supposed to help with our mental health and we've just done four books of tragedy.
2: I mean I feel like there's a there's a difference between like books that make you cry all the time and really happy books. I don't feel like it seems a bit extreme.
1: Yeah. Surely there's a there, mid
0: There's a, a vector diagram. Ven. Ven <laughs> 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 I am scared of maths, genuinely have a absolute phobia of it. So that was quite brave of me to try and really accomplish proud. a graph name. Which at which I failed. Laughter Uh, and joy and happiness condensed somewhere in the middle of sad book with the overcoming, maybe which brings us joy. The overcoming of something sad. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think I guess that is every book has to have like a journey to get to a sometimes happier place, and then sometimes you cry from the happy. That's Um, true. So yeah, it doesn't matter if you're happy or sad; you'll always end up in tears, I guess. Um, that said, before we go off on that tangent, <laughs> let's get to know um, India a little bit a little bit better. Um, okay, so I have to ask, because you um, have chosen a book with, you know, as was previously stated, it's subplots have subplots, and there's so many twists and turns. Are you generally, as a reader, um, are you really good at guessing twists or being able to like see what's coming at the end? or have any stories, and did this story genuinely surprise you in the end?
2: Um, I think this story really surprised me at the end, which is probably why it's one of those ones that, like, massively stuck stuck with me over the years. Um, I am one of those people that, like, unless it's a really good book and it's been like massively well written, I am quite good at guessing endings, um, Mm. which when I'm reading by myself, I'm kind of like, I just kind of sit there at the end and I'm like, yes, I knew that was coming. Oh my God, I'm amazing. Um, But when I do it with movies, when I'm at home with Joe, Joe literally just sits there and he's like, great, so we've got 45 minutes left of the movie. Why the hell are we doing this? And I'm like, okay, I've read too much. I've watched too much. Like, I just know how this works now. See,
0: I like knowing how something's going to end. It actually quite annoys me if Mm. I have to sit my brother hates any tv show i'm not allowed to talk to him because i will just say like tell me what happens before i watch it he's like no i'm not going to oh, tell you no. what happens like no i need to know and then i'll watch it comfortably whereas if if i know something is going to happen but i don't know what the something is i just
2: kind of can't be bothered oh, me and my mum have had so many fights over the years because like probably up until like the last five years, like I was one of those people who, if I didn't know if a book was gonna like go really happy or really sad and I didn't know, I'd go and read the last page.
1: No, because oh, I've I never just, done that. I just
2: had to know whether it got better or whether I was gonna like oh, cry so much. Nice. No, I
0: have never done that. That is, I can do that with oh TV. God, I can do it with TV. Out TV of show, this room. But...
2: Sometimes you just have to know when it's getting like sadder and darker and sadder and darker, really? and you're like, right, either I'm gonna have to like. Be committed at the end of this, or I need to know. Like in that last page, they're like, "This person's not dead," and you're like, "Okay, I've you know, I've got the world to keep going." And that doesn't
1: ruin the journey for you, knowing how it's going to end.
2: No, because I just like to be fair. It's more fun because I create like subplots in my head where I'm like, "This could happen," and maybe this is how they end up that way. And then at the end, I'm like, "Okay, that's what they went with." Wow, I
0: can understand that. I do do that with TV or films. I I quite like knowing how it ends. I don't know why, but for some reason, that it just I enjoy it more if I know this person's going to end up here and this person's going to end or this is what the twist is going to be, or this is, like, I'm fine, I'm fine, now I can just sit and watch it and I don't have to think about it. Because it's yeah. escapism, maybe, because I, if I'm watching something for escapism, I don't want to be sat there going, whose subplot story am I working out at the moment? Yeah. Mm. Okay. But I've
2: never read the last page of the book. That is, no, that feels. I've stopped doing it now. I've learned. I've learned from my lessons. I'm now trying to get the whole. Also, this book, you would need to read like a
0: hundred different end points. Yeah, you couldn't just read the last page; it wouldn't fulfil no. it for you. <laughs> wouldn't tell you there's anything. Like,
2: there's like the ending, and then there's like the sub ending. Yeah, and then there's like, then there's like there's several like... <laughs> years down ending, and you're like, okay, yeah, just just didn't want to stop.
0: This book does have more endings of any book I think I've so ever read, endings. maybe with the exception of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he rose. He he died. He rose. Yeah, very similar. I'm glad we brought religion into this right <laughs> away. If you could have a drink or a meal or a conversation with any writer, living or dead, who would it be? I was thinking about this question as I was reading this book because obviously Daniel becomes obsessed with this writer and finding out who he is and finding out what his life is and what his story is and why he wrote these books and why these books existed in the first place and really on the face of it he's just a reader it's a reader and an author relationship that's how it mm. starts and he gets so into wanting to find out who this author is I was thinking about that thing of who who do I, who do I feel that sort of great love and obsession mm. for that I want to just have a conversation with them about mm. life not even about their books or literature but that I've sort of had that draw towards like Daniel has.
2: Yeah, and the complete opposite of that, the person probably would be Michelle Lovrick just to ask her, not what's wrong with her, but just like, <laughs> oh, where her, where her <laughs> brain came up with some of these things. So, Alison, you were there, I was reading at work, The Book of Human Skin. Oh, right. I like the title. I haven't I've, heard of that. Oh, so my mum recommended it to me, and she read it like five years ago, and she said it was one of the best books she's ever read. And I literally, like, I'd sit there on my lunch break and I'd, like, get further and further in the story and she was like, it gets better. And, like, just to give you a brief overview, it's, like, it's basically about this, this, like, young lord in Italy whose younger sister is going to, like, take over the family fortune because he's genuinely insane and has already killed people. And so to, like, try and get rid of her, he shoots her in the leg so she's a cripple and then tries to get her committed to a nunnery and then to a madhouse and then again to a nunnery just so, like, she's not going to take over. And then in the last five pages of like horror after horror after horror he's just she's just like oh so then we forward the plot and now i'm getting married and life's good and i'm like it's just so dark you kind of just want to sit there and be like okay so are you okay where, yeah do you need a hug where did the inspiration for this come from like you know maybe we maybe we need to get you some help <laughs>
1: I'll be sure to tag her on Twitter.
0: I'd quite like to watch that meeting happening from oh. maybe a seat behind. <laughs> just like Yeah. This is an intervention person I've never met, but your book freaked me out so much that I think your mental health is in crisis. Wow.
2: Yeah, it's just it just got so dark and twisty. And like I love dark and twisty. You you've read this book, yeah. you yeah, know how you that do. is. But like there is a point where you're just like, you know, it feels like this book has a soul and it's like so black and so fractured. Wow. You'd yeah. love that book. Yeah. Well, I remember just the title of it made me like, ooh. Yeah, oh, that,
0: that is definitely Now
1: massive. that you've mentioned which book, and I'm like, oh, he has this one. <laughs> Human skin. Uh, so cut that out. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, there is a question that we ask uh, all of our guests. You're the second one. Uh, that we will be continuing to ask all of our guests. Um, and I think you probably already know what it is. But Beck and I have a running... Uh,
0: Argument, Um friendly. Whether it's paid off for today because we can trade books.
1: Yes. Um, obviously, we've already talked about this today, but um, Beck refuses to read hardbacks, and I love hardbacks. They're my favorite thing ever. Um, you, We call them plinths because you suggest that you, you need, need a, a plinth to read them. To rest your hardback upon. I'm not going to look you in the eye because it freaked out Sonia last time, but um, are you paperback or plinths? I'm paperback all the way.
2: Damn mm-hmm. it. I hate hard, bad books. Thank Why? you. Explain yourself. I think probably the number one thing is I don't just like sit in a normal, seated position and read books. Like, I lounge across sofas. I go to parks. And like, when you're lying on your back and you're using the sun to protect you, it's going to fall in your pr- face and break your nose. Exactly. Thank you. And like, you can't hold it with one hand, like, whilst you've got a drink in the other, or like, you're like. You, you are my hero it's just so difficult it's not worth yeah. it I've just invented something okay
1: pop sockets for plints.
2: oh the things
0: oh. on the phone f- oh, the things that you maybe. put on the phone to yeah. not drop your
1: phone on your face maybe but if
0: you get one pop you'd need one on each, side, on each side wouldn't you because otherwise it's going to be unbalanced listen it was just a quick
1: just a quick thought yeah
0: we could play around with that do yeah. some prototypes yeah
1: I'm going to edit this out so nobody else steals my <laughs> idea <laughs> All right, that's yep. you're that's right. They don't fit in your hands.
0: One. You can't fold them. You can't read them on a the bus.
2: And I just have a little And they weigh handbag. down they your handbag. Fit. Exactly. They it's the fit. devil
0: weight. Oh, I'm so glad that I am being teamed up here with some I mean, smart yeah. intellectual people. Whatever, man. Uh,
1: the next person that we have on will definitely be on my team. Mm-hmm. Are you, gonna <laughs> 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 you going to just... Yep, I'm going to ask them the in a pre-interview. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I mean, what? What okay. are we now, three to one then? Yeah, we're three to one. Cool. It's fine. We would uh, also beat you in a football match. <laughs> Those numbers. <laughs> just saying. Don't know anything about sports, If we end sports, up with like a plinth to, to pay for back, though, yeah, five uh, a side, then we will be...
1: Just, I've never played yourself.
0: a team sports in my life, so that it, would, it would not go well. I don't
1: even understand the language you two are speaking right now. <laughs> um, you kick
0: it up the lawn and then it goes in the hole. Oh, <laughs> sports. Yeah. That's, that's how all sports work, yeah, right? You yeah. just, so that is all. There sport. is a ball
2: and there's a hole, and like guys get excited and jump yeah. up and down. Screen. Sorry, that was sexist. People jump up and down screen and getting excited.
0: <laughs> that is the blanket rule for all sports. We need we to, could yeah. do sports commentary. He's going up the lawn. He's going up the lawn. He's kicked in the hole.
2: Wrong direction. End of game. Oh, Break. woo! And then there's a cup. I don't know what's in it. Tea, maybe? Champagne, if you you know you're in a really good sport with lots of money. Yeah. Mm. All right, that was a potential
1: point. <laughs> um, all right, well, now that the votes are in, um, <laughs> I'm gonna leave. And no, so let's talk about the Shadow of the Wind. Uh, India, how did this book come to you? Where did you discover it? When did you read it? Tell us about your relationship with this book
2: and why? Um, why did you choose to talk about it with us today? Uh, okay, so. My, the book was introduced to be by my mum, as a lot of books were when I was younger. I feel like we should get your mum on here, yeah. She's, oh, hundred percent. My mum my mum already knows that I'm coming on here and she's like, right, when when you're on it, just like send me all the details and I'm hundred percent gonna listen to this. I'm like, okay. Cute. I'm trying hey to mom. get her into podcasts. Yeah, yeah. hey mum. Um yeah, I started reading like very fast, very little. Like I read the first Harry Potter book when I was like four, and I think by the time I was yeah, the in the first copy that we have in my house it says like India Copley Lower Tran H, which because I went to a, Old girls private school is their equivalent of year one so apparently it started back then and it got to a point where like I'd read everything in my age range so my mum just had to be like right I read this you read it you read it and like she'd screen them and make sure that like nothing terrible happened until one day I got hold of Ken Follett's Pillars of the Earth which my teacher actually confiscated because she was (laughs) like okay there's scenes in there that you definitely can't read (laughs) um but yeah this was one that my mum was like it's one of her favorite books as well I think I read it the first time when I was like 13 and I stayed up till like 3am hidden under the covers. And I then... was going to say, did that not freak you out at 13? Because I jumped a lot on my cliff yeah, reading there's this book. some scary bits in here. I, mean, I think when you're 13, I mean, I was saying this earlier, I think it, a lot of it went over my head and then the more mm. I like every time I read it, I kind of picked up something different. So I then was doing Wuthering Heights for my AS level essay and then did a comparison with this book. Oh, um, Ooh, that's a nice comparison. It was really good. I um, yeah. got to like dive into it properly, and then probably haven't read it for for ages. But it's one of those books that, like you remember, is like a like glowy book if that makes sense when mm. you're looking back over them. Um, so when Alison was asking like, is there a book that you know you absolutely loved? This was the first one that came to mind. And then realizing that we were recording this, I was like, oh, I need to get my copy and read it. And I think I read it in like a day and a half, and I just couldn't put it down all over again. And it like literally felt like sliding back into like you know, being 16 and being like, oh my God, I just love this book. This is so amazing. That's awesome. How many times do you know how many times you've read it total? Um, I don't know. From start to finish, probably like four. But when I was like doing it, obviously for my AS level, it was one of those books that like I read so many different passages and was trying to find all these exciting things that I just probably know like all of it off my heart.
1: (laughs) Very cool. Um, So... I mean, let's talk about the book, do you, I mean, it's your, obviously you know it inside and out, do you Mm -hmm. want to kind of start us off, paint, like, set the scene for us, if you will, paint us a picture of kind of where we begin, who our characters are, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, set set the scene.
2: Okay, so the main character is Daniel Semper, and he starts off as this 10-year-old boy that gets taken to the cemetery of Forgotten Books, which... As a 13-year-old obsessed with, like, literature was, like, my dream place. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I really wish this was real. Because, like, get me on a plane to Barcelona and I'll go there now. As
1: Agreed. a 32-year-old, um, I the minute I read that, I was like, <gasps> I think I texted you, yeah. like, the Cemetery of Forgotten Books. <laughs> 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 like, I'm in. I'm let's,
2: sold. Let's all go exactly. into that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's just, like, all go on a group trip just, and we'll just, uh, like, wander pick around Pick a book to protect forever. I know. Um but yeah so he starts as a 10 year old and then you slowly see him at various points getting older which isn't made ridiculously clear so like at some (laughs) points he's 10 and then he's suddenly 14 and then like (laughs) he's 18 and you're like okay like missed a lot of points There's no birthday cakes
0: involved in this book there's not a lot of happy birthday
2: I think there was like one where he gets like the pen oh the the pen but yeah that's true there is one but like over a decade we see like one birthday and you're like don't really know how old this kid is but hey um, and it's basically him diving into the life of the author of this book that he finds in the cemetery of forgotten books and what happened to him and like this whole gothic love story that basically gets mirrored in daniel's life and you see it happening all over again um and there's like so many subplots i think there's like one bit at the beginning of the book where daniel's talking about like the shadow of the wind which is the big book that he picks up and he says like Julian Carrick's you kind of you read it and then it like shatters into like all of these different sub stories and there's like a hundred different things going on and I think that's mirrored in how Carlo Ruiz Stephon like intended for this to be read because there's just mm. so many different facets and like every time I read it I pick up on something different and it's I think a lot of it is about how you know he's basically living the next generation of Julian's story but with a different outcome and how you know from learning what he has and from the support system he has and the people that are involved, it's just like a different different ending, like a, a whole new chance to do it over again and get it right this time. Yeah. Well, Cool. We Should go we that was amazing. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I think you, you summed it up really, really well
0: there. Yeah, that is the book. That's the one I read, it. anyway.
1: That's all she wrote.
0: Yeah. It does,
1: I mean, you saying that, it does strike me as I can see why this would be one of those books that you would want to read over and over again because yeah. I found... If I'm honest, like my I suppose my one criticism of this book was that for me, um, and I know, Beck, you said you kind of felt the same, it felt like a very slow start. Mm-hmm. I think because there are so many different things going on and so many characters being introduced that seem really important but then kind of drift away, I wasn't sure which stories I was meant to be yeah. following. And you're kind of, I suppose, meant to be following them all because they do all tie in together at the end. But
0: yeah. it, it
1: felt like it... It, it was felt, a really slow beginning. It felt
0: quite overwhelming when you... Because you died. There's it, it. there's no sort of like, oh, here's a bit of story and then we'll move you on to somewhere else. It's just you get in all at once and then there's 10 different things happening and you're sort of like on page 30 thinking, but who is, who, who are these people? What? And it just keeps spiralling and spiralling and spiralling throughout the book and they do come back together. But I can absolutely see how... I quite want to read it again because now I kind of... Now you I've, look for those yeah, things. And I feel like I've threaded to, together the bit that was clearest for me when I was reading it, which may have been what was different for you and different for you the first mm, time. Yeah. But like that feels like the clearest journey I've gone on. And yet I know that there are there are definitely characters that I've kind of casually dismissed or skimmed over as I was reading it. And they just popped up as like, oh, you're not important them. to me in this moment. And I've been following these three. And if I go back, because I know I've done that, I c- would absolutely get a different perspective on the story, I yeah. think.
1: Well, prime example, kind of one of the, and I think you can do, you do it both ways. You, you hyper-focus on yeah. someone that you think is going to be like super, super important and, and the way that not. that ends is it, completely insignificant. So for example, like one of the first kind of characters that I thought was going to be really important to the story was Clara.
0: Yeah, what happened yeah. to her? <laughs> it's literally in the first sort of 35 pages. She becomes really prominent and her yeah. relationship with Daniel is really prominent. And then like you say, it's sort of six years later and it's... She's it's just, gone. she's, yeah. she's it's it's just, just out. it's mad. And um, yeah, I thought she was going to be. Well, he shares the book
1: with her and she, he, he falls in so love with her. And so you just think, oh, this is this like magical thing. And but he's, he's too young for her. But maybe with time, so you kind of, you know, get into this. For me, you know, I love a romance. So mm-hmm. I am like, oh, I'm all in. There's this beautiful blind girl that he's mad that he goes and reads to and he reads for yeah. The Shadow of the Wind. And you're, you're just like there. You're in it. Yeah. But then suddenly, there's this character that I remember messaging you India and being like oh wait, is this like a fantasy book because I know you love fantasy yeah. but like suddenly there's this creepy you know guy kind of following him stalking him through the streets and then he meets him one night and he's his like basically he has no eyelids and he has no lips and his like face is incredibly burned and I'm like is this, like, a monster, like, story? What's going on? And suddenly I'm like, wait a minute. I thought we were reading a lovely romance. Yeah. Where are we going? Was was there any story that you felt like, I mean, do you even remember, like, the first time you read it, what stuck out to you versus other times?
2: Um, I think... I think like Beck said there's like in the beginning the first time you read it you are just looking for like the main points to like make the narrative make sense and then like you said the first half is like very beautifully written but there's not loads going on and then it just gets faster and faster and towards the end you're just trying to keep up with all the different things that are going on and like your brain is just like trying to make connections as fast as possible. Yeah. Um going back and reading it again I think some of the characters that are, do seem insignificant the first time you kind of see how they play like these tiny parts in the story like one of the people that alice and you were saying you wish it had a bigger part was daniel's father yeah who's like this incredible this Lovely incredible man. character mm-hmm. and you just want the best for him but i think when you then compare him to julian's father it suddenly makes sense why he is the way he is and he's just like this calm reassuring presence that loves daniel so much that daniel mm. isn't fighting against the same demons julian is and maybe that's why he doesn't make the same decisions And when you kind of look back on it, you just kind of see that, like, all of these little people, and I think it's probably very similar to real life, like, people come in and out of your life, just like they come in and out of the story, and they have different impacts, which don't necessarily make loads, but, like, like, make a huge impact at the time, but, like, have, like, a butterfly effect on how the story turns out.
0: And a lot of the characters do seem to counterbalance... Some of the other characters, and like there is, like with Daniel's father, Mm -hmm. that seems to happen quite a lot in that people are brought in to almost be the balancing Mm -hmm. character, like their role is to balance it out, or their role is to balance Daniel's story in a way that maybe Julian's isn't, Mm -hmm. so that and and Shadow of the Wind isn't because it's it's you know gothic romance fantasy thing, it's all it's all madness all over the place, (laughs) and so they so Daniel's story has these kind of things which balance him out and actually a, a lot of his story is a bit boring and every day and normal mm-hmm. and he goes to school and he works in his father's shop on the weekend and he falls in love with a girl and actually it's not that over the top it's quite every day and a lot of those insignificant characters I think play that role of just
2: everyday life like you, yeah. just, you just balance him out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think the only real significance in his life is that he basically becomes Julian's doppelganger if you didn't have Julian's story and Penelope's story you wouldn't have Daniels it would just be like another you know sad this is kind of like how life was at the end of the war but then you get all of these like darker overtones that basically have carried over from the generation before.
0: The war though is an interesting point because you can kind of completely ignore the war mm-hmm. I think the first time you read it especially. you yeah. it oh, just 100% it just did. It's in the background it plays along and it doesn't really feel like it's that important and I Made a very active decision, I think, about 100 pages. I was going to read it like a crime novel. And, I, and that, because it, so many things were happening, I yeah. thought, I'm just going to read it like crime fiction. Like, we're trying to solve the mystery of this book. It's a, it's a mystery book. It's a crime mystery. And I really actively did that because I was aware that there was this war and this history going on. And then there was this sort of almost fantastical, gothic nature that was happening. And then there were all these strands of different characters that I was losing because there's so many subplots and the simplest way for me to get through the the novel and to work out what was happening was to just I'm going to read this like a bit of crime fiction end. and try and get to the end in that way but actually I think I'm aware having got to the end that I think the the war or the background nature of the war and the war sort of being this shadow over all these people's lives is vastly more important than I have allowed it to be in my first reading and I I'm very aware that if I go back and read it again, then just little, how they sort of drop things about society and and politics and people's lives being very shaped around the effects of having come out of war and the effects of being left behind and the effects of sort of being in these dark, empty streets where everything is broken now because war has happened. It's so much more important and adds so much more richness than... Definitely the first reading allows it to have because it feels like an extra thing, Mm -hmm. I think, when you're reading it the first time and there's already 20 things. And my brain just (laughs) is like, no! I don't (laughs) want to talk about the war as well.
2: I mean, I think that the war was probably one of the reasons why the story ends differently the first time. I mean, in Julian's time when the story's going on, there's so much violence and like the war's just kicking off that like people disappearing and these terrible things happening and... It, it just becomes the norm so no one ever really questions it and like Fumero coming up and like killing people and torturing Furman, who I'm sure will come to eventually because I love him. <laughs> it's 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 terrible but it's just like one of those things and then when you kind of get back to Daniel's storyline it's like when Don Federico gets arrested and spends the night in jail and the whole community comes together against Fumaro and suddenly like all these terrible like violent things are happening because the war's over people are, like yeah. that's not okay and like the police officer that kind of has the weirdest storyline ever, and suddenly plays this part at the end. Um, he kind of comes out of nowhere, but like he wouldn't have done that during the war. It's yeah. kind of the difference in you know people have hope now, and what life doesn't have to be that dark and twisty. So they kind of play more of an active part to stop it being that way.
1: Yeah, well, I yeah. think the war also, um, you know, just kind of sitting here and listening to this, it, it gives. So, um, just for those who haven't. Yeah, read this book. Um, Fumero. That's the one. He is our antagonist. He is the villain um in both stories. Mm-hmm. And I think um, like you mentioned, the the war kind of gives him this ability to to really like hone his skills of evil and kind of, you know, sharpen those horrible skills and um, makes him capable of the absolute worst and get away with it. And it really I think kind of the seed of evil was planted when he was young as we find out and he just gets every opportunity to you know water it and let it grow into something absolutely unimaginable um, which carries on into the present day and into Daniel's story unfortunately
0: yeah I think the war definitely is it's, it's such a part of people's characters whether they end up being the goody or the baddie it's such it plays such a role in how they relate and respond to other people how they relate and respond to their own emotions their own circumstances it's it's just there in the background the whole time but I think it's vastly more important than you, you realise realize it is point. almost until you sort of get to the end and you think oh or like none of these people would have ended up like this if it wasn't for just the chaos and tragedy yeah. that was happening around them and also none of these people would have got away with ending up like this because you can hide in the secrets of war whereas you can't and there's like there's some lovely little bits where, um, like you're saying, like people coming out and, and saying this isn't right anymore and and not just with um not just with Don Federico but also just in some of how they speak about women ch- women the change of women yeah. and uh, being beaten and being sexually assaulted, and that's sort of mm-hmm. that's not okay now, either so it the war just has this this background of that chaos has allowed people to either live in fear or live as fear yeah. and because that's ended now we're kind of we're coming out of that and we're seeing the world in a different way and Daniel's father I think maybe is a really good example of a good man coming through a lot of tragedies and just still being a good man because he is able to be there's nothing to hide from or hide in anymore yeah.
1: so I think yeah. the the war not only gives us our, our baddie but also I, I would I think we would all agree yeah. our favourite goodie yeah. which is Fairman
2: Yes. Uh, what's his full name? Femin Romero de Torres.
1: Yeah. Um, well <laughs> so he's the opposite. He was like a spy. He comes. He he also has this mysterious, you know, war torn past. Yeah.
2: Fermín's not even his real name. Yeah. We find that out. We find out he and was it's like not his third identity. It's like his third, isn't it? It's not
0: even like yeah. his the one he he saw on a poster or something. A but ball he's, fighting poster. He's had multiple multiple names. <laughs>
1: He's lived multiple lives and been multiple people, and yeah. he is the most charming character yeah. I can remember reading in recent times. He, he,
0: he made me cry.
1: Oh, God, he made me cry just, plenty of times. He just got to me. And laugh, and laugh yeah. out loud. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he, I mean, how can we describe him? I mean, I would say read the book just to meet
0: him.
2: Yeah, of course. I think he's basically the symbol of hope throughout all of this because there is no other person that has gone through so much tragedy and so many awful things and come out with a sense of humor, the ability to take the mick out of himself, and with the idea that, like, lemon sugar sweets? Yeah. Basically, (laughs) sherbet lemons are the cure. You'll save everything.
0: everything. (laughs) Every (laughs)
2: ill you have.
0: It's, um, yeah, yeah, and also. He has a strong
1: sense of loyalty, a strong sense of duty. He's completely overlooked. So when we meet him, he is on the street Under and basically, in the yeah, rain. he's like, you know, Daniel kind of passes him and doesn't even think anything of him uh, and then gets, you know, punched a few times, which happens many times throughout the book. Uh, and then, you know, this this person that he would have passed otherwise, uh, you know, offers him some horrifying wine and to, to basically disinfect his wounds. Um, And suddenly, they strike up this friendship and this bond and he becomes such an integral part of, Daniel's story and the search and the hunt for Julian's story, Mm. and he's just like you said, so much kind of dark and twisty stuff does happen Mm. in this book. He kind of weaves a bit of light in the shadows.
0: Oh
2: no, no, no! Come on, on. no, we're not having that. no, it works. That's that's not Not cutting it.
0: Um.
1: (laughs) I do the editing here,
0: friends. (laughs) Uh, He's yeah, he's a really good. He's just a really good guy, and I think he also introduces the idea of friendship to the book. Mm. Of, like, really loyal, trusting friendship. And all the bits in this book that made me cry the most were the bits which were really powerfully about friendship. And I love you so much as my friend that I am making this sacrifice for you. And every time it just, I was just like weeping. (laughs) There was one point when I was sat on a beach in the middle of a beach. It was completely empty. And I'm sat there reading this book and I am just crying. And I must have looked insane to anyone walking past. But that, Furman definitely introduces that idea. And there were just these poignant moments throughout the book where that idea of friendship and loyalty and love is so strong and so powerful that it kind of doesn't matter what any weird dark crap is happening around you because y- your your buddy's got your back which is such a basic thing but in this book it feels like it's it's enormous it just it, it gets me
2: I think is basically just like the guardian angel of like the entire story <laughs> he makes sure that no one is ever forgotten even The Mm. little guy in the nursing home. Oh my god, that made me cry. His dying (laughs) wish is to have a prostitute before he dies, and it's not even a promise he made. But he forgets nothing and leaves no one behind. Yeah, I
1: had forgotten about it until we got there. That one, that one loose end that gets tied up in the end. And I was weeping about it. I was like, oh my god, he's going back to like make sure that this. And with the the old lady as well. I believe it's called sex worker. Just like yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, he just has an ability to care for... Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. And to see to see what is, is in them that deserves that care. Like, he sees in people, like, this person is really good and they deserve me to give them this love. Mm-hmm. And he brings it out in people. Yeah. He's always bringing out the best. I love him. He's amazing. He's also He's sassy funny. AF.
2: Yeah. Oh, so much. And I think the fact that he becomes the next guardian of the cemetery yeah. of for- Forgotten Books just... <gasps> sums up Furman because he's the one that makes sure that no story ever gets forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: gonna cry now.
2: Yeah. Also,
0: I, can I just talk about Julian's friend? What's his face? Miguel? Miguel. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Miguel is the most decent human being I have mm-hmm. ever met in my life. Yep. In any of the lives mm. that I exist in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about books, not multiple personalities, just Wait. we're all clear yeah. on that. Um, he, I just... I cried all the way through everything he said or did. He, I yeah. just can't. I He's can't even talk there. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Literally,
1: Miguel is someone that we we meet later on uh, in the story. This is this is like a really hard book to talk <sighs> about without giving things away yeah. because you learn so much at the end. Yeah, and like we can't really talk about who Miguel is other yeah. than like a He's childhood a very good friend person. of Julian Carax's that yeah. we get introduced mm-hmm. to quite late in the story. Yeah, and. He, he behaves d- with
0: such dignity.
1: Oh and sacrifices yeah. everything for for his friends. The love of his friends. Yeah.
2: I think the reason we probably love him is if you literally try and put like Julian's story next to Daniel's Mikel is probably the equivalent of Furman. Absolutely, yeah. oh, So yeah, whereas Michael uses his money and like yeah. his wealth to try and make the world a better place, Furman doesn't have money, so he tries to use like his hope and yeah, his like his love smarts. of life. Yeah. And both of them are basically, all they want to do is try and make the world a better place for their yeah. friend. And I think like they get massively overlooked by so many people, but they're yeah. just such and beautiful there's, characters. They have yeah. similar moments that reflect mm.
0: very similar moments for them and Julian or Daniel as well, um, which, again, just wept out. Um, but they do, yeah, they have that balancing thing the whole mm-hmm. way through. And they're, they're just, they're very decent, wonderful. I, I don't think I've cried quite so much at a book when uh, Miguel was sort of just being... Miguel, just being Miguel. Miguel, <laughs> it, yeah. All praise to him.
1: All right, it is hard to... Kind of find a point to stop talking about this book because I feel like everything important happens in the last like 150 pages. Like you said, you just you get to a point where you just it's like something rolling downhill and it just yeah. gains speed as it goes. And at the end, you you know I'm like, do I set it down? Do I not? No, I can't because I need to know what's going on. Whereas the beginning is so slow, um, but without we don't want to give away too much. So I hope like that's enough of a teaser. I highly recommend uh, if you haven't read this book, go to our website. Click on our bookshelf. Buy this book; um, it is so good. India, who would you recommend this book to, and why should they read it? If you could, like, succinctly tell them,
2: I would recommend this book to anyone that loves things that are dark and twisty. Hmm. Um, I think, I think this is a book about people that find hope and joy in the slightly darker and scarier times. So anybody that's looking for a story that's gonna renew your faith in mankind, even when you go through the dark, the scary bits, the bits that make you cry, the bits that make you think, you know, human beings are the worst. Um, you still come out the other end thinking, okay, you know, there's hope for us yet. Um, there's still all this beauty and all this like scary wartime stuff. Um and I think you should read it because you know like we've discussed it's one of those books that once it kind of like claws onto you and you then can't put it down because you just get wrapped in and it's almost like the book is reeling you in because you get interested and then you get more interested and then it gets to a point where you're so invested in the life of these characters I was actually when I was reading it for the podcast I was actually reading it so I was walking down the street and this woman kind of let me walk past her and was like oh my god that must be a good book because like (laughs) she's walking and reading and I was just like because it's one of those books you just can't stop so that's why i'd recommend you read it amazing yeah Uh, that's
0: a good recommendation as well because i would have read it off of that whereas i probably wouldn't this this is a good example of one of my jane austen moment books because i don't think i would have read this just reading the back of the just reading the back or as you read it the synopsis that you gave i don't think i would have read it i think i would have thought it sounds a bit sort of all over the place and i've never been a massive fan of gothic literature maybe Mm. unless sort of like you withering height stuff, the classics, yeah. but modern gothic literature is not a genre that I'm, have got a lot of on my bookshelf. Um, so I don't think I would have read it, but then like I've said before, you know, after reading Jane Austen, I don't ever not read a book because they surprise me, but you're, I think you've summed up having now read it. You've summed up exactly all the reasons why I should have read it. Um, and if someone had said that to me, then I would have immediately grabbed it. Cause you're right. It is about, um, hope and finding, um, the possibility of life in dark times, which is probably what it should say on the back, but doesn't. <laughs> so maybe you read by that, um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and we'll I will those. pick it up in a bookshop of my own accord next time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um India,
1: have you chosen a quote from the book Talibasun? I have. um I'm very interested to see what you've chosen. Actually,
2: only six pages in because it's actually kind Aww. of a foreshadowing moment, but. Honestly, I think this like sums up my relationship with the book just as much as it does Daniel's. Once in my father's bookshop, I heard a regular customer say that few things leave a deeper mark on a reader than the first book that finds its way into his heart. Those first images, the echo of words we think we have left behind, accompany us throughout our lives and sculpt a place in our memory to which, sooner or later, no matter how many books we read, how many worlds we discover, or how much we learn or forget, we will return. For me, those enchanted pages will always be the ones I found amongst the passageways of the cemetery of forgotten books. I'm very emotional.
0: I got. This is the second time
2: i cried on this podcast.
0: It's all the sad bits <laughs> keep appearing. And then the Ben, Fairman, and girl, and then my eyes. Yeah. <gasps>
1: India, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure having you.
0: Thank you for this book. I'm so glad that I read it. Like I said, I wouldn't have read it. And I did. And I loved it. And it gave me hope. So thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks guys. It's nice to have someone to talk about this with.
0: Yay. Yep. so if you have a book that has impacted your life and you want to come and talk to us about it here, then we would absolutely love to have you. It can be a book of any genre, any style. Um, it can definitely be a happy book. We would seriously <laughs> love that. If you can find one. Um, if you can find one, then let us know that journey as well. But sad books are fine too. And uh-huh. you can apply to be a guest on the website at yaopod.com.
1: Yes, Um, and also follow us on the social medias, please. Um, We are on Twitter, at YaoPod, on Instagram, at YaoPod. And also Facebook, we've got a page and a group. Uh, You can find us there, uh, your own words. Uh, Podcast is now on Stitcher and TuneIn and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, Not on Google Play at the moment because apparently there is no Google Play in the UK, so I cannot submit it. Uh, So sorry, Canadian and American listeners. But thank you so much for listening. Let us know if you've got a book you'd like us to uh, talk about. And you don't have to be based in London. We'd be happy to do it via the interwebs also. And come and join Team Paperback, because we're uh, nope.
0: going to get of yeah. sports if team you like real plants, soon. Please tweet
1: at me, <laughs> because I need to know that I'm not alone. So, at Yapod, tell Beck that she's wrong. Um. <laughs> Have a team party real soon. Well, to be continued. See you, see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Your Own Words is hosted by Alison Dunnings and Becky Graham. It is recorded in London at The Pitch Room in Runway East, Soho. Theme music by Natasha Pasternak. Read along with us at yowpod.com.